In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, how to submit a presentation to a conference. Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring how to submit a presentation to a conference. Joining me today to help answer this question is Dr. Jessica Barker, co-founder of Redacted Firm. Jess, how are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm very happy to be speaking to you today. Yeah, no, absolutely, me too. Uh, it is a pleasure. Um, so first things, though, uh, I kind of want to go back to the why we're having this podcast, which is you wrote a, a an article for Digital Guardian back in October that said, call for papers the inside track. And this is where you kind of did some research, both you put out a Twitter poll that got 6,000 votes. Um, and then I guess that prompted you to write the article and, you know, talk to some of uh, the conference organizers. Yeah, that's right. I am. Um... I myself love speaking at conferences and I know a lot of people, you know, people come and approach me and they'll kind of say, oh, I'd love to speak at conferences, but I don't do it for this reason or that. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I would ask people on Twitter, kind of spare of the moment, if they wanted to speak at conferences, maybe why they didn't. And um, one thing that came back was people kind of saying they don't they don't know how to get accepted. You know, maybe they'd, they'd submitted a talk and it wasn't getting accepted or um, they didn't know what people were were looking for in a, a call for papers. They didn't know how it all works. So then I went, as you said, to some of the biggest conference organizers, people who um, are on the review board of Black Hat or Sounds Events, um, PasswordCon, 44Con, um, events really all around the world and asked them, what is it you're looking for when you do a call for papers? What can people do to have a, a higher chance of success? And so what were your takeaways from, from that research? So um, a lot of it was about kind of outlining um, from the from the organizers were kind of saying outline what is going to give value, you know, what it is. Don't worry about being being too catchy or, you know, having all of the somebody said having all of the, the cyber bingo words is not so important. It's more about what value is this going to bring? You know, what problem are you looking at? What takeaways are people going to get? You know, say if this is based on on real life experience. Um, and also a really nice piece of advice from Daniel Cuthbert um, on the Black Hat Review Board was to take a step back and really ask someone else, whether it's a friend or a colleague, to do a very honest QA of your submission. Because sometimes we can't see ourselves um, whether what we've written makes sense, whether it's in the clearest way. Um, so getting someone else to QA it, then they can be brutally honest and say, this doesn't make sense. Or, I don't know why anyone would come and see this. Um, so that was a really nice piece of advice. Uh, one thing I found from doing the um, the poll on Twitter, and it's you know a poll on Twitter is not like a um, I'm not saying that's like a very robust way of doing right, research, right. but it's a good way of doing a bit of a straw poll. And as you said, I had like six thousand votes, quite a lot of people, and the biggest response was people saying they felt they didn't know enough, um, so they didn't feel like they were, I guess, enough of the quote unquote expert. Um, and then after that, it was people saying they were anxious, self conscious. And about the same amount of people who said they couldn't think of a topic, they didn't know what to talk about. Yeah. So, so I guess, was that you? Like, how did you get started submitting CFPs? 
So yeah, for me, it was probably a mix of all of those things. I felt like I didn't know enough who would want to listen to me. Um, I used to be a very anxious um, public speaker and feel very nervous about doing any kind of public speaking, uh, let alone in front of hundreds or thousands of people. Um, so essentially what happened with me is that I um, I was engaging quite a lot on Twitter, sharing um, things about my work, which is in the more human side of cybersecurity. Um, and a couple of conference organizers, Brian Honan, um, who organizes IrisCon in Dublin, and some of the organizers of Manchester B-Sides, which was the first Manchester B-Sides, they got in touch with me around a similar time and said, um, it seems like you're working on some interesting stuff. There aren't many people working on the human side. Would you consider submitting to come and talk at our conferences? Um, Manchester actually asked me if I would be the, the closing keynote. Um, so I... Um, I kind of just thought, okay, I'll I'll think about what I could talk about, what might be interesting to people, and I'll have a go. Um, and then after that, I kind of got the speaker's bug and started submitting to all sorts of conferences um, and found that I actually really enjoyed it. And that the more I did it, the more I got a sense of what people found interesting and which bits of my work were good to talk about. And also the more confidence I got actually speaking. So now I don't get particularly nervous um, and I really enjoy speaking to an audience. That's that's kind of amazing to me that you're doing all this work. I mean, you 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 have a doctorate, and you even were like, I don't know what to speak about, and so you kind of had to think about what you were going to speak about. Yeah, well, my my doctorate was in civic design, so it was like an engineering, sociology, weird kind of PhD, and then after that, I was headhunted into cybersecurity. So. I kind of, you know, I, I came from this weird angle. I wasn't someone who had been working in the field for decades. Um, I was working in this niche area of the more human stuff. So I felt like, well, the hacker conferences, you know, they want stuff that's really so technical. It's going to like make your brain bleed. They don't want my human <laughs> stuff. So yeah, I just felt um, I would I would probably never have done it if it hadn't been for the organizers of IrisCon and Manchester B-Sides kind of saying, we think our audiences would like to hear about this um, and would like to hear you speak about it. So, so are you kind of seeing some more of those types of talks or, you know, I, I guess what was the reaction to some of your stuff? Because obviously, like you said, you got the speaking bug. So there seemed to be some level of interest there. Yeah, it really varied, to be honest, depending on the the conference. But I did I did get a good response from people telling me that they found it interesting, even if they worked in a much more technical domain. Um, and I think this was this was probably about four or maybe five years ago. So it was kind of um, the human stuff was people were getting a bit more interested in it. Um, and I've, I've found since then that interest has just grown massively. So particularly the last two years, I think the human side has become more interesting to more people and more people are speaking about it, which is fantastic to see. Um, so I think we are seeing, even at very technical conferences, we are seeing more people talking about the psychology, behavioral, cultural aspects of security. Yeah, and, and you, you hit on something there that I think we were going to talk about at some point. We can kind of address it now, which is knowing your audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, I think it's 
putting yourself in your audience's shoes. So to some extent, that's knowing, okay, who are the people that are coming to this event? If you've been to the event before, then you're going to know that. Um, if not, you can, you know, reach out and ask the organizers, look at maybe what what topics have been discussed in the years past, um, you know, what's made it onto the agenda and really put yourself in their shoes and think, is this going to be interesting? You know, is are they going to learn something from it in some kind of way? But at the same time, I would say maybe don't be too constrained by that. So, for example, um, I spoke at a um, a great hacker conference in the north of England a couple of years ago, I think it was, where I spoke um, at SteelCon about imposter syndrome. So that is a, a hackers conference. It's often very technical stuff. I've presented there on the more human side of um, security before, but this talk was very much kind of aimed at the people in the room and kind of as professionals and as individuals, if you have an issue around imposter syndrome and that thing of, of not maybe having as much confidence in yourself as as you could have, then this is a talk about it. This is what I found in kind of doing a little bit of research. And this is ways to kind of try and help yourself. And that talk was extremely popular. It was kind of standing room only. And I still get people come up and um, and comment on that talk. And I've had businesses ask me to go in and give that talk to their staff. And it's something that you wouldn't necessarily have thought, okay, I'm going to go and um, talk at a hacker conference about imposter syndrome, but it, it worked for that audience. Um, which I found out partly by doing, again, a Twitter poll and kind of saying, is this something that people are concerned with? Is it an issue in our industry? And when I got a big response, I thought, okay, so maybe a, maybe a conference talk will work on this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think that also has like, it's a kind of like a double-edged sword for this podcast where there might be some imposter syndrome for people wanting to, <laughs> to speak yep. and submit a CFP. Definitely. So, so what are some of the preparation necessary for submitting a, a talk to a conference? Um, so, so I guess, and, and kind of on the same line of knowing your audience, like, are you doing research there or, you know, what, what is kind of all the stuff that you, you need to do to prepare for just submitting? So I think knowing your audience, knowing the kind of conference that it is, um, thinking about the different types of talks that are there. So different kind of tracks that are there, you know, if it's your first time speaking, then there may be a rookie track or there may be a lightning track. And so you, you kind of want to think, do I want to try and go for the main stage? Do I want to go for a different kind of track like lightning or rookie? Um, and then just thinking about the topic um, and planning out your material, your research, you know, have you got enough to to deliver now, there's a kind of split, I think, where some people say, um, oh, you have to have the talk absolutely set and organized and written and prepared before you even submit. And I don't think that's really realistic for a lot of people. It's certainly not realistic for me. Um, but I guess you have to think, OK, if I submit this idea, A, do I feel like I have enough uh, to talk about it now? And B, am I going to have enough time in between it getting accepted and having to deliver it where I can fully prepare the the talk um and yeah and i think also what can be nice um in submitting a presentation to a conference is thinking is there somewhere where maybe i could rehearse this talk beforehand um so if there's like a local meetup group in your area 
um, that you can go to and do like a practice run of the talk, then that a lot of people say that really helps them um, to not only plan out the material and see what works with an audience, but also kind of build up their confidence and get them feeling ready and prepared for the actual bigger conference. Yeah, I can I can also say that I don't I don't have I'd never have my talk prepared ahead of time. It's <laughs> no. just like that's a lot of work. A lot, a lot of it slides, is, a lot of stuff. Exactly. It's a lot of work and we're all busy people. Um and you don't want to necessarily put in that work and then not get it accepted. That's gonna right, be a little exactly. bit disheartening. So I think I can understand why organizers say they would like that from people, but realistically, I think that's a lot of pressure to put yourself under. Yeah, and one of the things I'm finding that really helps both for uh, creating the talk and also submitting is putting an outline together, just kind of like some of my talking points and it kind of helps me organize my thoughts. And then that also helps me guide, you know, putting slides together and actually walking through it. But also if organizers have a spot for it, you can then drop a link to like your Google Drive or the Google Doc and say, here's my outline. <laughs> so at least, you know, uh, people that, that review in that way can can, you know, see that you actually have something there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where I start with kind of preparing a talk is I will do like a spider diagram or mind map, whatever you want to call it, um, because I will have like a maybe a title or a, a theme that I'm going to talk about. And then I'll have a bunch of ideas, but I won't necessarily know how it's going to be structured or quite how it's going to be fleshed out. But that for me will be kind of my starting point. And I will usually do it on pen and paper before it goes anywhere uh, further of literally like, this is my title. This is my topic. This is the bunch of stuff that I think around it. And then I can, can kind of build on that. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we so you and I have just given like two different uh, approaches for you know, putting a CFP together. And then you also have the people to say, put the talk together ahead of time. How is someone supposed to navigate like this bit of advice or advice from others? I think it's very difficult because essentially the bit of advice is that it's different for everyone and you have to find what works for you. And I know I and, and probably you have been through lots of different iterations of approaches. I've, you know, I've tried all sorts of different ways of how I prepare for a talk. And now I've kind of after many years of doing it, I've refined a process. So I think the thing is to, to kind of just give it a go and maybe start small, you know, start with a local meetup or start with a rookie track or a lightning talk and to understand that so I, I kind of think of a talk a bit like a website, like it isn't necessarily ever finished. It's always a work in progress and it doesn't have to be perfect the first time you deliver it. Um, of course, you're going to want to feel like it's it's good and it adds some value. Mm -hmm. But that pressure of kind of, oh, it has to all be perfect the first time and I have to get all my points out the right way and I have to prepare for it in the most efficient way isn't necessarily realistic. There's a case of the more you do it, the more you learn and um, and your process will get more refined as you go along. Yeah, I definitely have. And, and I'm sure you have the same thing. Uh, your favorite talks are like, go listen, go watch this one. Don't watch this one. This was awful. <laughs> <laughs> one yeah. I had to mix <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, the first time I give a talk, so I do sometimes repeat them um, for different audiences. And the first time I give a talk, I'll sort of think, oh, I know that next time I do this, it's going to be much better. But I'll kind of have to give the talk to work out some of my ideas and see what works in front of an audience and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's kind of talk about 
the different aspects of a CFP here. So, so how important are titles? I think a title is is important. I think um, getting a title that says what you you know what the talk is going to be that is coherent um, and that you know that isn't too long, like a nice concise title, is quite good. But also something that is going to kind of catch people's attention. So not just the review board, but also when it's on the, you know, if you're on track two or track one and someone else is on the other track, you kind of want it to catch people's attention and people to think, okay, that sounds like a good talk. Um, but ultimately you want it to respect it, to reflect what you're going to talk about. Um, so, you know, and this came through in the advice that I, for the article I did for Digital Guardian is kind of say what you're going to talk about. Don't try and um, make it sound really snazzy with loads of buzzwords. And then actually when you get in there, you're not talking about that at all. But I think it's worth um, thinking about the title, reflecting on it a bit, running some ideas past people and saying, does this sound like a good title or not? Um, to try and make it the best representation of your talk that it can be. Yeah. And, and one thing that I've, I've seen and, and why I think the entitled is pretty important is sometimes there's conferences that don't have the abstract up. So people are having to choose where they're going to go based on the title. Yes. Yeah. That's a really good point. I've seen that a lot. Um, and sometimes people don't, you know, they don't have necessarily the time to read all the abstracts or, you know, they don't plan what they're going to go and see in advance of the conference. They'll sort of just turn up and just have a quick look at the program. So, yeah, you kind of want it to be something that says what you're going to talk about, but also that is kind of attractive and engaging and is a nice headline, I guess. Okay, so so how important are abstracts? Yeah, also, I think this is important, probably particularly for the, the review board, um, you know, particularly if that's all they're going on, then the abstract needs to, it needs to kind of say what you're going to talk about. It needs to outline the value that people will get from attending the talk, the, the problem that you're going to try or the challenge that you're going to discuss um, and the fact that people will get takeaways from it. Um, so I think the abstract is important. Again, you don't want it to be too long. Um, so a good thing to do is to go and look at other people's abstracts. Um, and, you know, when you're going to conferences or when you're researching the conference you want to submit to, take a look at the abstract and kind of think, what sounds good to me? What doesn't? You know, this one appeals to me. Why is that? What have they done in there that works? Um, so what I try to do is I'll kind of say, what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to say um, why it's. I think it's important um, and the takeaways kind of that people will get from it. So, you know, people will leave with a better understanding of X, Y, Z. Yeah, and then I, afterwards, and you've mentioned this earlier, you have uh, someone QA the abstract. Yep, I think that's a really nice thing to do um, because it can be hard when it's, when it's your piece of research, when it's your work, then of course you're very close to it and you understand it. Otherwise you wouldn't be talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good to have someone else from outside kind of say, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, or I don't know what I'm going to get from going to this talk. So someone QA it and you want someone who will be honest with you, you know, and, and actually if I get someone to QA anything for me, I always say to them, like, I want the negative feedback from this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't I don't want to be flattered. I want to know what doesn't work here. Be as critical as you can be. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I actually have a story. I, I've been trying to get out to developer conferences, and I, 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 I sent the abstract off to some developers to review. And the feedback I got back was, well, we really like demo, so like you better have some of that in there, and you better like e- express that within uh, the actual abstract because developers really like demos, and that yeah. that is like even speaking after having gone through it, it was like that that actually was what a lot of people resonated <laughs> with as far as feedback. That's great, and that's another example of kind of knowing your audience, right? Um, so yeah, sending it to people, the kind of people who are going to be in the room is is brilliant. Um, and as well, sometimes you can you can take stuff for granted. So you might have been like, well, of course I was going to do a demo, but I didn't I didn't feel like I needed to say it or, you know, so kind of having someone with fresh eyes look at it can help you just pull out the stuff that you maybe took for granted. Yeah. Now, is it safe to say that a because I just thought about this while you're talking about it is, you know, a title is probably more for the conference attendees. Um, and then like the abstract is kind of more for reviewers. I mean, and not that, and not that, you know, conference attendees don't, you know, see the, read the abstract, but it's almost like they read the title first, go, okay, I'm interested. What does the abstract actually have to say? Would it be pretty safe to say that? I think so. I think so. And I think that, you know, not just as someone who speaks at conferences, but someone who goes, it's like, sometimes there can be a lot of abstracts Mm -hmm. (laughs) and navigating your way through and remembering which is which can be uh, difficult, especially if you're trying to do it on the day. Um, So I think you're right. I think the title is what kind of pulls people in and then they'll look at the abstract and say, is this what I thought it was? Is it not? Is this for me? Kind of thing. Right. And the reviewers have to read all the abstracts so they don't kind of get out of that one. Yep. And I I do sit on the review board of the SANS um, Security Awareness Summit in London. Um, So, you know, I look at lots of titles and abstracts as part of that. And sometimes, um, you know, a title can sound great, but then you read the abstract and it might not be quite what you were thinking or, um, or you can have titles on a few a few different titles that are on similar subjects but it's the abstract where you're going to be like okay so this person's taking a different approach or they've actually got some primary research or they're doing a demo or this is the thing that makes this one different from the other three talks where in the title they're kind of using all similar words they're all looking at the same issue okay um so i think i still have a lot ton of more questions if 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 you're cool with that i'd actually like to take a break and then we'll cover the rest of this next week that sounds great 